Welcome back. It is time. It is draft week. We have spilled, I don't know, Ben, like tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of words at this point, hundreds of thousands of words at this point on the 2022 NFL draft. I was just going through a bunch of our stuff as I was getting ready for kind of a catch-all post on Thursday leading up to the draft, you know, just kind of circling back and, you know, going through all of our stuff on all the positions and players to watch and First round guys, mid round guys, a lot of work, man. Like we invested <laughs> a lot of our lives. <laughs> and the draft is now upon us. Thank, thank, thank the good Lord, because I think we're both a little burnt out on this whole process, but it's a good time. I, I enjoy the draft, Ben. I, it's just like the lead up just fatigues me just a little bit. No, I, I love the actual event, like being on this job. But yeah, when you've been writing about this stuff for five months, four and a half months straight, it's like the football season feels like it was two years ago at this stage of the game. It's just like, if there's anything we can do to like move that draft closer to the combine, I'm like all for signing signatures on that petition. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. So without further ado, we've got our mock drafts that dropped this week. And I, I like how we do it, Ben. You, I, I had mine on, on Tuesday, broke out a full explainer, a thousand words and why I had them taken, who I had them taking. Uh, you did the same on Wednesday. It's kind of a fun approach. I feel like you get viewpoints, kind of get to work through two of the real logical possibilities, I think. Probably, I think you and I took the two most logical possibilities of what's going to happen on Thursday night. So Let's get to it. You had, let's, let's tee up yours first. You had Aiden Hutchinson, who everyone knows by now, pass rusher from Michigan, going first overall, first overall to Jacksonville, which left you a, a, a bevy of you know non-Hutchinson candidates for number two, including a you know, quarterback, a cornerback, safety. You went with probably my favorite pass rusher outside of Aiden Hutchinson, although there's some, you know, mm-hmm. character question marks and so forth with Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously the, you know, the rumors that are out there and the knocks on him in terms of character and love for, for the game and motor and whatnot, that wasn't overwhelming for you in taking Kayvon over Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson and some of these other possibilities. So Ben, let's work through your your logic there. Why did you, first of all, why'd you have Aiden going first, maybe real briefly, and then why Kayvon over the alternatives? Man, I, I, I get that Walker's like the odds on favorite out of nowhere and everything Jacksonville is saying like points to Walker, but it's just like, man, I feel like it's been months of Hutchinson talk and then like a slight swish from the odds makers in the final days of the draft. I was like, no, stand in my ground. I think Hutchinson is the top player in this class, any position. And it's just like the reports out of Jacksonville are like the three decision makers all have a different preference. So, I mean. Just grab the popcorn and the Jaguars are going to entertain us a little longer for sure. And then, I mean, like you said, uh, the the personality, like whatever you want to call it with Kayvon wasn't enough to scare me away at all. I mean, the further I dug into that dude, I just found a really confident, you know, maybe, maybe arrogant, but not even in a bad way. The guy knows what he is. He knows what he's about. I just, I like the way he carries himself in interviews. You know, I think I, in my explainer post, I got into one of his most picked apart quotes from the combine about I would tell one coach how you could tell me anything. I'm like, yeah, that's terrible on the surface, but he really recovered well. The next two sentences with like it's, a, it's not even recovering well. Like classic, <laughs> it's what the whole this whole draft prep draft process is Ben is like people just like tearing apart every little word and every little thing anyone's ever done even like in that context that you provided the quote is out of context as it's played out nationally he he wasn't saying no one can tell me nothing he was saying no one can tell me anything that I don't already know because I'm so critical of myself those are two different sentiments and that's a bewildering thing that people are knocking him for that quote 
it was an accurate self-scout. I'm like, this kid knows where he struggles. He realizes it sometimes when he hits an offensive lineman. Oh, crap, I didn't think of what to do next. Like, he said that out loud, like, and we're dogging on him for, <laughs> I don't know. So a lot of the a lot of the national narratives, just kind of like how to contact stuff, just to like pick that needle out of the haystack. And I just think when you look at the complete picture, the player is there. I mean, the dude was playing through an ankle injury this past season, still won nearly 24% of his pass rushes with just, I mean, he had one of his career best games with Brad Holmes in attendance against UCLA, forced fumble, two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. And all that talk about him not loving the game, you know, I just kind of went back and listened to our talk with James Crapia from the... Oregonia, I mean, I, I you know, I, I got faith in this kid. I got faith in this kid, and I guess we'll see what happens with Hutch at the top, but I just, like, take the best player. I don't know. They're going to take an edge guy, take Hutch. So you mentioned James Krapia, our, our yeah. friend over at Oregon Live, who we had on the podcast at the Combine talking about these very subjects. James covered Kayvon throughout his time at Oregon, knows him, you know, and his family pretty well. I think has a good finger on the pulse of you know, how Kayvon actually was at Oregon, having been in the trenches every day versus just like dropping in with some headlines off of like national narratives. So let's just flash back to that, some of what James had to say, because I think it's pretty, pretty enlightening. To all these issues that come up, I mentioned that, hey, player comp, and he worked with Vaughn, or at least touched base with Vaughn. He's worked with one of the great pass rush specialists, outside specialists, works with basically every top pass rusher in the league or a huge portion of them. So when you hear things about like, well, does he care about football or he's a really learned guy and that's going to come off in the interviews here. People are going to say, well, you know, somebody like that, does he have interests outside of it? Yeah, he has interests outside of it, but it's balance, balance where he, he loves this game. He loves his craft because this is what he's working on. These are the people he's working with. These are the people he's seeking advice from. This isn't somebody who just so happens to be really talented, but then he has all these other things. It's all a distraction. Not at all. No, he's just, he's dedicated. He's got that. I'm, I'm curious. How does uh, Kayvon compare to Pene Sewell, like, personality-wise? Because Pene just oh, screams totally Dan Campbell-type, like, yeah. ass-kicker, like, cocky, running off the field, <laughs> yapping at yeah. Aaron Donald and stuff like that. So I'm just curious, like, what's the personality comparison so, there? So that part of it, I think on the field, they're actually probably pretty, pretty similar. And in practice, you'll hear, I'm sure you guys probably touch base at one point or another with Mario Cristobal for Pene and stuff. And they, he would tell you that those practices, I mean, the, the practice tape, I'm sure, for Oregon, 2019, 2018 and 2019, well, 2019, yeah, because that was when KT was there, had th those practice tapes had to be just passed around the NFL, just like bananas. I mean, just completely like, you know, un unbelievable. When they talk about the whole cliche of iron sharpens iron, well, <laughs> how many teams other than Alabama and Georgia and maybe occasionally a place like Clemson or Ohio State, you know, could really say that they had, and what was the last time on the West Coast, that's like SC 20 years ago, we'd say they had a back-to-back -back first round and the top 10 potentially if, if KT ends up there at a left tackle position and at a defensive end position and doing that in practice for you I mean really significant early in players careers young guys on the field that is there I, I think the comparison or certain like-mindedness by way of competitiveness sure so Ben you and and James kind of in accordance there it sounds like with these character things as they're playing out nationally, not being a concern for you, not being, you know, at least not so much as to take them off the board for, for Detroit number two. You, you could be right. It's really hard to parse out where the Lions land. I know that they prefer Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, they're different athletes. Kayvon is a little bit, I think, more explosive athlete. Aiden Hutchinson might be a little less explosive, but he's really explosive and also very strong. 
deeper rapport of, of pass rush moves. You know, when Kayvon, I think one of the valid knocks on Kayvon is when he gets stood up or, or blunted in his first move. He doesn't really have a counter. His repertoire of, of pass rush moves is thinner than, say, Aiden Hutchinson. And so I think that helps Aiden Hutchinson to be more consistent. And I think lack of consistency and these productivity droughts that you hear about with Kayvon are, are pretty valid. So for me, that's where the two differentiate. And, you know, if Jacksonville were to do something goofy and take neither of those players, if they were to take Trayvon Walker, say, then then the Lions are going to run the pick to the podium for Aiden Hutchinson because of some of these things we're talking about. But I do think that, like, as this process has played out with regard to Kayvon Thibodeau, that some of these valid concerns about productivity droughts and maybe some effort on the field because of it or have gotten overblown. You know, I mean, people grab onto these buzzwords mm. uh, from the experts and people who know what they're talking about and they just run wild with them. And sometimes the narrative gets away from the reality. And I think maybe some of that's happened with Kayvon, even if some of the knocks on his game and the concerns I have about him and his fit with Detroit are valid. To me, the big question, if Aiden Hutchinson's gone, which is your setup in your mock draft, Ben, the big question for me would be like the projection with Trayvon Walker. So I think Trayvon Walker from Georgia is a better fit in a lot of ways than Kayvon for Detroit. He's a more physical rusher. You can play him up and down the line. He even has athleticism to drop back into coverage. He also, I mean, uh, tenacious motor, none of the red flag stuff that you, you hear about with Kayvon. Uh, I think that the character profile fits what Detroit's looking for. But there's a bigger on-field projection with Trayvon Walker because he was because of the way he he was used at Georgia. He was two gapping some and more more bouncing around and, and whatnot. That's a big reason why he had the nine and a half sacks, including six last year, versus Kayvon, where maybe he had some productivity drops, but you also saw him take over games as a pass rusher, which is something you didn't see with Trayvon Walker. So to me, I think if the Lions were satisfied saying we see the projection with Trayvon and the reason he wasn't more productive in college, what's good is the scheme and X, Y, and Z. Then I think Trayvon Walker might be the pick, Kayvon. But that's a big if. And I, and I think I've come around a little bit on preferring Kayvon over Trayvon Walker for Detroit, even though I know that the Lions would prefer Aiden Hutchinson over Kayvon Thibodeau because of some of the stuff we've talked about. No, yeah, and I'm with you. I, I said that in a radio appearance yesterday. If, if Hutch is there at two, sprint to the podium. I think it's a sprint to the podium. I think Brad and Dan would be in complete agree agreement on that. But Trayvon Walker, I mean, and you know, it's kind of been interesting because Dane Burglar of the Athletics has been really high on this guy from the get. It hasn't been a monumental rise for him. So this Trayvon Walker's had some fans. I mean, he was a highly touted recruit. I mean, he's the guy that sticks out from that Alabama game in the national championship. Yeah. I mean, he was dominating, pushing NFL offensive linemen around. And Trayvon Walker has things you can't teach at six foot five, two seventy two, thirty six inch vertical with a four five one forty. But yeah, it's projection. He can play inside. He can play outside. He hasn't dominated games pass rushing. Maybe that was the scheme and what he was asking to do. Maybe he's that team guy. And uh, you know, it's more projection. It's like talking about the quarterbacks that years, like Malik Willis, you're projecting, it's projecting Trayvon Walker, all the traits, all the tools, but yeah, it's easier to see that sooner than later with Kayvon, in my opinion, like taking over games off the edge. So I, I think that's a good natural segue into my mock draft, which yeah. saw it breaking differently. I had Trayvon Walker, who we just talked about going number one to Jacksonville, which left the, the world open to Detroit at number two. And of course, I had, you know, the Lions like sprinting in their gondola to Roger Goodell <laughs> on Thursday night to take Aiden Hutchinson at number two. My thinking is basically no one knows what's going to happen in this draft. It's more wide open at the top than ever before. I, I've been covering the draft professionally since 2000. 
Well, I joined the Lions beat in 2013. So the draft itself in 2014. And I don't remember a top of the draft with less predictability than than this one. I know Baker Mayfield was a big surprise that year, but like, man, I just don't remember a year where you couldn't even sort through like the first crop of picks and, and sort them out, which is where we're at in this draft. I do know that when it comes to Jacksonville, the experts believe at this point, the people who are connected, not just the Mel Kuypers of the world yeah. who are like filling column inches on the internet to generate discussion. I'm talking about people who are actually connected to, to movers and shakers in the league. They believe the Jacksonville Jaguars will take Trayvon Walker. That's what we've seen from Peter King, from Lance Serling, Dan Dane Brugler, yeah. a few others that I've seen this week. Connected people think that's the direction this draft is going is, is Trayvon Walker. And the big reason that I'm seeing out there. And again, I don't cover Jacksonville. I'm 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 seeding that pick to the people out there who know best what they're gonna do. And that doesn't mean they're gonna be right. These experts or whatever, these people who are glued in, like maybe there's a big surprise waiting for us on, on Thursday night. But this is the best available information that we have. Yeah. Is that the experts who are connected to Jacksonville are saying that Jacksonville prefers per, and they prefer what you said, Ben, the traits of Trayvon Walker, the fact that he can go on a field laden with NFL talent and push people. Round, that they'll prefer that over maybe a guy who doesn't have those kinds of traits in a in Aiden Hutchinson. I think an offensive lineman is still in play for Jacksonville too, but I think the discussion really has centered on pass rushers since you know their 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 doings in free agency. So Ben, that was my setup. That was my thinking. I don't know Jacksonville. I'm not connected. If I was making a guess on Jacksonville, it'd, it'd be just as good as the next guy who hasn't covered the draft for uh, thousands of hours. I'm just relying on the experts. They the, the favorite right now is Trayvon Walker, which is not what I would do, but that's where the thinking is. So I'm just going to roll with it. That leaves Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, and some other guys in different positions for Detroit number two. And I preferred Aiden for all the reasons that we've already addressed. You know, he highly productive at Michigan, the 14 sacks last year. He had his best game against his best opponent. I mean, until until Georgia, but in the regular season, had his best game against Ohio State. Not only the three sacks, which everyone knows, or the viral clip of him putting that NFL offensive lineman on his pass, which is pretty great, but 15 quarterback pressures. I mean, that's 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 superhero level. And he did it against the best like some of the best talent and certainly the best team he faced in the regular season. You know, really, really good player, productive player at Michigan. And then he goes to the combine, proves he's a, a really, really good athlete. I think there were some questions about that. Really transcendent, like in the three-cone drill and some of these other explosives at, at the combine. Really, the only knock that I see on his game physically is his arm length. And that's something the Lions and everyone else is going to have to work through. They're pretty short. I think the second shortest at the combine, if I'm not mistaken. He would have the shortest arm of any edge rusher in Detroit. And I do think length, you know, the arm length is something that teams look at in the NFL. Just your ability to disengage from blocks and, and so forth. But where he separates from me, Ben, is, is in the character profile. He, he just doesn't have the question marks. And I'm not saying Kayvon is like some bad egg. I don't think that he is, but he just has question marks about him and his love for football and his dedication to the game in ways that Aiden Hutchinson does not. You know, he comes from blood NFL bloodlines. He was a maniac in the weight room. You know, we had Graham Glasgow yeah. here on the podcast <laughs> weeks ago and Graham was going off about working with, well, why don't we just queue it up? Queue up the Graham, the Graham Glasgow audio real quick, <laughs> talking about Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's a great player, but outside of that, I actually, uh, in the COVID year, they shut down Michigan's campus and he ended up working out with me a whole bunch that off season. So it would have been 2020, I guess it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that he was just from like being around him, like basically every day for four months or three months, 
I thought he was incredibly mature. I thought he was like a really hard worker. He was strong as shit. Mm. I mean, like, I don't, at, at the time, well, first of all, he's younger than my sister. And I know this has no, like, this has no, uh, that doesn't affect you guys in any way, but like, it's kind of weird to me that he was born in like 2000. Right. Uh, <laughs> that kind of messed me up a little bit, but um, he, as I said, so like he was, he was 19 years old and he was doing like the same weights that like I was doing. And I was in like my, going into my fifth year in the NFL. And I was like, what the hell, man? Like, what are you on? But he was extremely professional about it the whole time. And like, he was just trying to get better. And I think that he would be a good culture fit in a good, I mean, I, I know that all their guys came from the saints and I don't know if they really want to run a three, four forever, but I feel like he would be a great four, three or three, four DN. I think he'd be great there. Thank you for our wonderful production team for that guy. But yeah, so, I mean, Ben, he's a, he's a freak, like physically. And then he was on the, on the field and his, his motor doesn't quit, loves ball. You know, he's a Dan Campbell guy. Like, what does that mean? And we, we've right. talked about it quite a bit, <laughs> but I think sometimes it's like almost an intangible thing, like just talking to the guy. I know Dan Campbell. I've talked to Dan Campbell mm -hmm. every day for a year now. And I've had a couple of interactions with Aiden Hutchinson. I've talked to people around Aiden Hutchinson. And to me, I see the fit. And I see it in a way that I don't see with Kayvon. So to me, if those two guys are there, that's the pick. Ben, your thoughts on on, on my board? I mean, you you made the Walker at number one pick for all the right reasons. And I was like checking our friend of the show, John Shipley's final mock, and he didn't publish it before I published mine. And then his goes up. And I'm like, oh, man, the guy who told me to bet my mortgage on Hutchinson at number one is flipping his pick now, too. huh? So, I mean. Yeah, Trayvon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, you, I mean, you're. You're, you're right down the path, it looks like there. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Hutchinson, like I said, it was, it's a sprint to the podium selection for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. And it's so hard to find knocks on Hutchinson's games, like outside of the short arms. Like I saw somebody trying to talk about how he was a one-hit wonder. I'm like, really? I'm like, first of all, that one hit had 14 sacks and 16 and a half tackles, and most guys don't get that in three and a half years. But also, I mean, broken leg, pandemic altered season the kid was showing signs of breaking out in sophomore year i mean you can't hold those things against him hutchinson is a high level performer a really i mean his combine testing i knew he was a good athlete talking to aaron mcmahon grant glasgow and stuff like that but man he moves that well in short space i mean you you, got, you look at some of those athletic traits and that's where this stuff comes in handy when you're talking about short arms and stuff like that he's still strong as an ox and can move better than 99 percent of the rest of the world so it's like it, you take a chance on something like that when the only knock is like his arm length because I mean, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson and Dan Campbell, I mean, those are like budding potential big brother, little brother situation right there. I feel like those guys could hang out and put a dip in, drink some beer and talk football. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> you know, I, I do think the arm length thing is a, is a, I mean, concern is a strong word, but it's a valid question to have mm -hmm. because of all the physical attributes. I mean, you have pass rushers of all kinds and all shapes and colors out there, but I guess one marker that's somewhat predictive of NFL success somewhat is arm length, you know, and you have short arm guys who have had success in the NFL. I think Charles Harris had pretty short arms too, if I'm not mistaken, led the lions in, in sacks last year. But in terms of like a high end top five caliber kind of guy, like in Hutchinson, historically short arms. So it's just something that teams are going to have to work through. It's much like the K the Kayvon thing. Like, like there, there are just no perfect prospects at the top of this draft, which is part of the reason why it's so difficult to, to project. And it's a big reason why I think the lines are going to really struggle and probably find it impossible 
to trade the pick. So I guess, Ben, supposing, you know, they, they stay in the pick with your mock, like how much consideration did you give to non-pass rushers? We've talked about those guys pretty extensively. How much consideration did you give to quarterback, Malik Willis, potentially a defensive back like Kyle Hamilton, Sauce Gardner? Did you give any consideration to those non-pass rushers? I would say outside of Aiden and Kayvon were in a different tier of consideration for me. And then it was Trayvon Walker that I had to have a serious conversation with myself about. And then it was, and then it was kind of sauce Gardner and Kyle Hamilton. Those were the two guys that I kind of thought way more than the quarterbacks, way more than Derek Stingley too. I don't think they're looking for an injury prone guy that struggled to stay on the field as good as he looked two years ago, but like sauce Gardner and Kyle Hamilton were the two guys that made me think, could they, could they, I kind of ruled Kyle Hamilton out just because I think this defense has so many other pertinent needs and that the class does look strong at 32, 34, and even 66. You know, you shouldn't draft that way, planning on stuff to fall to you, but it's a deeper class at that position. So it was mainly between the three edge defenders. And Sauce Gardner, I thought about just, goodness, I went back and watched that Alabama game and it's like Alabama was afraid to throw at that guy. Never allowed a touchdown in three years. And it's like, there are concerns at the top of the cornerback room, but I think the Lions have some in-house questions they need to answer first before throwing another high, high pick at that room. So it was between Kayvon and Aiden, what I was going to do at number one. And then it was a Trayvon consideration versus Kayvon, and I ended up with Kayvon. But yeah, it was uh, Sauce and Hamilton were the two guys that I thought about outside the pass rushers. I, I just don't think you get the value in those defensive backs, and that's especially true with the safety. And I like Kyle Hamilton. I love his game. He would be a perfect fit in Detroit. And Detroit moves off the pick and is picking at number eight. And Kyle Hamilton is still there. Uh, run the pick to Roger and sleep well at night because you got yourself a hell of a player who's going to make the defense better. I mean, that's that's the case. But there's a reason why safeties outside of one time in 1991 never go in the top two picks of the NFL draft. And you just don't have the value at that position. Hell, Ben, like Kyle Hamilton could be a pro bowler and might not have as much value as, as some of these top pass rushers. And I would argue that it's probably going to be the case if performed the way that they're expected to certainly, a, you know, an Aiden Hutchinson, but like the way that those guys can affect the game in every play in a passing league. And, and then you can, the, how expensive they get these pass rushers I and mean, look how much money, even like, I mean, Trey Flowers got $90 million and he had never had like, I think uh, more than seven sacks in a season. And sure enough, he had 10 and a half sacks in three years in Detroit. And that guy cost $90 million. Mm -hmm. That is why pass rushers in today's age, in these passing offenses with quarterbacks who are obscenely good, pass rushers are so expensive because they're, they're so important. You need guys who can go after the quarterback. They rarely hit the open market. And when they do, they're so expensive. So you have to go get them in the draft. And when you do, especially like in the first round, you control their costs for four and in the first round, five years, up to five years. And I just think that's such a huge like value valuable commodity to have at pass rusher, which can dictate the game in every play versus any safety. Like it's not even about Kyle Hamilton. It's just about the positional value. So that's why to me, Kyle Hamilton never made sense. It's why I was pretty forceful in my pushback when I started picking up steam, especially from our friend Mel Kuyper. It felt disingenuous to me in the moment. Like a team with so many needs and so many pass rushers available to them when they need a pass rusher, game second most valuable position. And they would go for a safety when nobody takes a safety that highly. And they just took a cornerback two years ago that, that highly at, at number three. It never made sense. And Ben, in Mel Kuyper's very next mock draft, he dry, dro drops Kyle Hamilton from number two to number 11. And it just felt a little vindicating because it's it, like clearly like it, it never held serve that, you know, that Kyle Hamilton would be 
in the calculus for Detroit at number two. And I don't think that he is. I'm with, I think Sauce Gardner makes more sense. I still just, I know about Sauce, you know, we're recording this today on, on Wednesday, um, the day before the draft. I just wrote on, on Sauce. He was the last guy we profiled heading into the draft and love him as a player. I mean, great player, never allowed the touchdown in college, like 155 yards all last year against the best competition he faced against Alabama, which creamed Cincinnati. Four targets, 15 yards allowed. I mean, you know, he's a he's a premier player. And then, you know, when you consider he's almost 6'3", 6'4", right in that range, runs 4'4". Four, four. I mean, he like he's going, he's not making out of the top 10 and he might be a top five pick. I, I don't think, you know, he might not get past New York, the, the Giants, you know. But for Detroit number two, it just seems rich, especially for a team that has more pressing needs and a more premium position. And I think that's how we both landed on on pass rushers. Yeah, we're in lockstep on that. No, no, I think that you can mark the offseason burnout moment when Mel had Kyle Hamilton safer than Kayvon Thibodeau for the Detroit Lions. And I was just like, come, come on, man, define safer. And then he drops him 12 spots just because of a 40 time. <laughs> it's like, I, don't, I, I wrote up on Kyle Hamilton. I think it was yesterday on Tuesday morning. I was going through his quotes after the combine. And before he runs his 40, he's looking at the big screen. They're comparing him to Derwin James. And then he runs his 40 and he's getting compared to Jeremy Chin all of a sudden. He's like, what is happening here? So it's just, it's fascinating from our seat, their seat. Yeah, Hamilton would look great on that defense. But I mean, we hit the nail on the head. I, this, there's so many more pertinent needs. And if you can get an elite level pass rusher on a rookie, scale contract you're you're on the right path real quickly ben before we get out of here the lines do have a second pick in the first round okay so i just brought up your mock draft just had to refresh my memory you had the lions taking one of my favorite players for detroit georgia wide receiver george pickens just real briefly ben how did you land on that pick for detroit i just think he's such a perfect fit for what they need in a receiver and what they want in a receiver it's a guy that can get open it's a guy that can separate at the point of the catch it's a guy that can make contested catches 6'3", 195, 447, 40 time. And he'll knock defensive backs on their asses, point at the sideline, smile, and run back to the huddle. I mean, I love this guy. He's one of my guys in this class, and he's a perfect fit. And I mean, Shark, long-term or not, George Pickens fits. I completely agree. He was on my board at 32. I went defense instead. I went with another Georgia player, safety, Lewis Seen. My thinking was that with with way my board broke, there's going to be so many good receivers available at that range in the back end of the first, top end of the second. And the Lions have two picks there at 32 and 34. So the way my board broke, I really like George Pickens for all the reasons you just described. He's just a, a tough player who has an incredible catch radius and he's physical and nasty. He's yeah, I think he like when the Lions talk about wanting an X receiver who can win one-on-one, but then also considering what they like about players in general with toughness and attitude, to me, he fits the bill in a lot of ways. And it was so it was hard for me not to take Pickens, but the way that I, I saw it then was that with the way my board broke, Pickens was there, Jahan Dotson was there. I, I, I mean, a couple of other really good receivers who would also help Detroit. So with only one pick, you know, on, with them holding the second pick of the second day, they're going to have a, yeah. one of those guys available to them no matter what happens. But the way my board broke, that isn't necessarily true with safety. And the Lions do need a safety. I mean, I know we just talked about Hamilton at the top and how it might be too rich to take a safety there. But I think seen is, and for that matter, Dax Siller are both candidates for Detroit at 32. They have a huge need there. You know, Tracy Walker is back, but I don't know who's going to play alongside him. Will Harris has been trashed. They signed the free agent kid. What's his name? I keep uh, Deshaun Elliott. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, shoot, he's missed 36 games in four years. Like, <laughs> just like Right. And they signed him to a veteran deal. So it tells you all you need to know. I mean, maybe he'll, maybe it'll work out that you know, guys do it. Charles Harris worked out last year and he signed a near minimum deal. 
but I, you know, with the way the contract is structured and given his history, I don't think that it's safe to just pencil him that in as like some starter this year, let alone a starter in 2023 when you hope to be competing. And Lewis team would, would do that for Detroit. Him and Tracy Walker would give you a really solid back end of the defense. And with the way my board breaks with the pass rusher at the top and Hutchinson, you've got Thibodeau. Either way, You've got a huge upgrade in a playmaker at the first and third levels of the defense. I love that. That's why I went with Scene. And then they still would have their pick of some really good receivers at 34. That's the way I saw my board breaking at the at the end of the first. Yeah, and we're thinking pretty similarly, you know, a safety wide receiver at 32. I mean, I would go safety wide receiver at 32, 34 if you get that pass rusher at the top, just because I think, like you said, the safety, it kind of does start to teeter off once you get out of that first round range. I mean, I had seen at 27, so I'm high on him too. I love his game. He's... I mean, he, I mean, he looks pretty good. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have that unicorn build, but I mean, he is, I think he's got some, I think he's six one six two and got some pretty top end speed too. But yeah, I mean, they need a safety. Sean Elliott looks good. He looked good the one season he's been available in Baltimore, but like you just said, Will Harris, you cannot count on him at safety. Who knows where he's going to play? <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, I love that pick. You love my pick. We'll, we'll see what the heck happens. <laughs> you know what? We've given people enough ammunition for us to make us look Real dumb. Come come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the day after the draft. So I think maybe we could just like leave this here and 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 circle back after the draft. Certainly, we'll we'll break all this down. There is so much to happen here in the next few days at M Live. We're going to be all over it at MLive.com, MLive slash Lions. A lot of coverage coming your way from you know what should be a really busy three days. Eight picks for for Detroit, including number two, number thirty-two, and number thirty-four. Thanks as always, everyone, for joining us, and we will see you on the other side. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.